the teachings of the apostles, or the catechism of the early church. Join Pastor Hook in today's teaching of the Didache. Uh, we are in the Didache. And um, I was thinking about the Didache on my trip to Houston and back. And I just want to point out kind of what the Didache is. Uh, in the world of church, uh, somehow God plants a seed in someone's life. Maybe it's through the Word of God. Maybe it's through a kind action that somebody does. Maybe you know somebody that's a Christian, and um, when bad things happen, they, uh, they don't fall apart. They, uh, the, they rely heavily on God's Word and His Spirit to get through it, and even it seems like they grow through it. Um, you know, even the, even the craziest tragedies that happen in their life, um, they chalk it up to good that God can do good through it, uh, that it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I mean, obviously the worst tragedy would be, uh, you know, on the stressor scale, losing a spouse, I think, is 100 on the stressor scale. So somebody that you've been with for a number of years and, and there's, you know, and they die, that's obviously the, you know, typically the highest stressor. I think the death of a child is also very, very high. Um, and, and, when you you and you will meet people in life, you know that lose their job unexpectedly. They they get hurt unexpectedly. They lose a limb unexpectedly. I mean, all these tragedies in life. They get put put in prison, like the Apostle Paul. And yet, um, when the tragedies in life happen, um, they grieve for a while, but then they move on, and then they let God fill them even more to fill up the loss from whatever happened in their life. And maybe that's something that someone sees. Uh, you know, think of First Peter where he says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Why do you give, you know, because if you are living the Christian life, if you're living the way, as we talk about in the Didache, then... Uh, people will take notice of how that can be radically different than the way that the world is. And the, and the way the world is, you know, particularly today, we have people that, that seems like the slightest tragedy throws them over the deep end, you know, or they're always angry or bitter, and they never live a life full of joy. They live a life full of anger. And um, that's, that's not the way of life uh, at all. Because Jesus calls us to a different way. So in the early church, uh, whenever that seed was planted, there were people that said, I want to find out more about the hope that, was within, that is within you, right? Always prepared to give a defense or an explanation for the hope that's within you. Well, somebody comes and says, why? Why is it that this tragedy in your life is not throwing you on the deep end? Or why is it that you always seem to be full of joy? Or why is it that, you know, life seems to always bless you? Uh, and a typical Christian response might be, well, life doesn't always bless me, but Jesus does. And his life fills me and his spirit is in my life and it fills me with so much joy that I can't help but serve him every day uh, and let him fill my life. And man, those uh, people, and every once in a while I meet somebody like this, you know, they just are filled with joy, peace in any circumstance. Um... And so, in the Christian tradition, then, uh, we say, okay, a seed's been planted. 
But now we'd like to tell you more about the Christian life. And in the Didache, that's called the way. And those people that were learning the Didache were called neophytes. Uh, they were neo, which is new, phytus, which is a plant. They were new plants. Uh, they were they were new. They were people just learning about the Christian faith. And in the early church, uh, particularly in the Book of Acts, uh, when people learned about the faith, then uh, they were immediately baptized. Uh, in the as the church grew a little bit, they realized that. Um, that if you were a Christian family and you were going to raise those people in a Christian family, you might baptize those children early on. You baptize your children early on. And um, because they're part of your household, your, the Greek word there is oikos. Uh, and then you teach them. And then at the end, you know, when they get to the age of maturity or something like that, they might confirm or they might profess their faith. Um, so, uh, and then they continue to grow. They continue to grow in their faith, and then they continue to bear fruit. And in the fruit is the seeds of new faith. Uh, and that's we call the, the discipleship life cycle at Christ Christ's Bell Church. We call that the discipleship life cycle. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, well, actually, let me show you a picture of the discipleship life cycle. Here it is. We've got a seed is planted, uh, and then we have a neophyte or a sprout, uh, and somebody is teaching that sprout the faith. Um, in my, in my vernacular, how I look at it, when we moved into this house here in Vail, uh, it had a southern oak tree. And the southern, the, the southern oak tree was really, really tiny. And then it had these big, huge poles that held the oak tree up. Oak tree up. And then um, about five years after we moved here, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, the oak tree is this, the oak tree is this big, and the little poles are this big. And I'm like... I think the oak tree can stay by itself. So I pulled out the poles and I took off all the wiring that was holding the, the tree up. Um, and it, at that point, it had moved from a neophyte into a full-blown tree producing acorns. Well, the same thing happens in the Christian faith. We have a neophyte uh, and we teach them about the Christian faith and they learn to grow and they sprout. And at some point, probably around the age of 14 or 15, although... If you did not grow up in the church, and this is later in your life, then uh, it might be one or two or three years. Jesus spent three years with his disciples, told them everything about the Christian faith, everything about himself. So they lived, breathed, ate with Jesus third, three years, and then Jesus left the disciples, uh, and then they had to basically propagate the Christian faith by themselves. So it shouldn't go longer than three years. Jesus was able to do it in three years. Um, but with modern technology and written word and all that sort of thing, perhaps it's even less. Maybe it's a year or two. I don't know. But um, but we so that's the sprout phase, the neophyte phase, phase. And then the the poles are removed. You're in the grow phase. And then obviously even in the grow phase, you're bearing fruit. But in that fruit, in the little acorn, then is a little seed that plants more seeds, and it just goes on and on. And the Christian church has been going on now for. Thousands of years. Um, so, but what do you tell? What do you tell a neophyte Christian about the faith? Like, how do you take all the parables and all the words and all the stories of Jesus and all that? And how do you give them a clear and succinct way to tell them about the faith? 
And in the Lutheran tradition, or maybe the Catholic tradition, um, that process is called catechesis. And uh, Luther even wrote a catechism. Uh, he wrote two of them. One was called the Small Catechism. Uh, it's very basic, about as long as the Didache, I guess you might say. Um, and then he also taught the Large Catechism, which is a much more deep exp you know, exp exposition into the Christian faith. So if you're a neophyte, you might go to the Small Catechism to learn the Christian faith. But if you're an older person, you want to continue to grow in your Christian faith, you might go to Luther's Large Catechism, which is a pretty deep, in-depth study of the whole entire Christian faith. Much more detailed than the Didache. Uh, so, what I'm, so as I'm driving to Houston back, I'm really thinking, you know, the Didache is just basically the early church catechism. Um, the, the Lutheran catechism, I don't know about the Catholic catechism, but in the Lutheran catechism, it has six chief parts. It has um, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, you know, teaching on how to live your life. It has baptism. Uh, it has um, Lord's Supper. It has Confession Absolution. Uh, Lord's Supper, Confession. Anyway, six chief principal parts. <laughs> What are they? I'm going to draw a blank here. Um, the Catechism has Lord's Prayer, um, the Apostles' Creed, um, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and um, Confession and Absolution, uh, Ten Commandments. That, that's it. Ten Commandments. Um, anyway, so those are the six chief parts. I mentioned them all, but those are the six chief parts of the, of the Catechism. Well, pretty much all of these exist in the Didache. The Didache, well, in chapter 2 of the Didache, we talked about, like, the Ten Commandments. Um, we, uh, we didn't really talk about prayer in the Didache, um, but the Lord's Prayer is certainly something worth studying. He said this is an, Jesus said the Lord's Prayer is a great example of prayer. Uh, they wouldn't have had, the, in the early church, the, the, um, the Apostles' Creed because it hadn't been written yet. It was around... Uh, the Apostles' Creed dates back to 100 A.D. It's called the Regula Fide, but it's it's the different. It's like the precursor to the Apostles' Creed. This is what the Apostles said about Jesus, um, and they have little bits and pieces. And there's the old Roman Creed, I think. It, you know, after after the Regula Fide, and then um, then the Romans, the Rome, old Roman Creed was kind of finalized in 325 at the first uh, Council of Nicaea. Um, so. Basically, the pieces have been there uh, in, in Luther's small catechism, but the pieces that weren't available yet, they're not part of the Didache, but the rest of it is. Because the Didache does talk about the Lord's Supper, the Didache does talk about baptism, the Didache does talk about the Ten Commandments, but in the Didache, they're not called the Ten Commandments, they're just like how you should live your life. Um, there is a little bit of confession absolution uh, in the Didache. So really... If you really wanted to, this is the point of the whole thing, is if you really wanted to talk about the Didache, it's basically the first catechism with the stuff that was available to the early church. And when we say early church, the Didache is probably 50, 70, 80 AD. So I mean, it's like really early church, right after Jesus died. Because why? Because if somebody says, I want, um, I want to learn more about the Christian faith, I want more to know about the hope that you have within you, um, you know, you could start talking about all the, 
all the parables of Jesus and how he lived his life and all that sort of thing. But, you know, that could take a year or two or three, which is not a problem. But if the person wants to become baptized, uh, you know, and get joined into, grafted into the Christian faith or into the kingdom, you know, become a, a recipient of all the rights and privileges of Jesus, of the being in the kingdom, well, you could take three years and do that. Or you could say, you know what? Here's the basics of the faith. We're going to baptize you. And then we're going to let you grow throughout your whole entire life, uh, you know, into the Christian faith. Um, so, so basically, and the Didache does say this. I mean, it says at the end of the Didache that once a person has learned these things, then you can baptize them. So um, the Didache really is an early catechism. And it was a way to teach the faith to people who were just wanted to learn the bare, bare minimum so that they could be grafted into the kingdom of God. So it's, it's very much like Luther's catechism, or, or I would suppose the Roman Catholic catechism, except it doesn't have all the stuff that was. It was only the stuff that's available to the early church at the time that they were writing the Didache. Um, that's really what the Didache is. And uh, so... That was kind of one little um, enlightenment, you know, I was thinking about is, you know, thinking about the Didache there and back. I didn't really think about the Didache on the way back because I was not feeling well. <laughs> but on the way there, I was thinking about it. So, um, so now we're in chapter four of the Didache. In, in, in chapter one, we're learning about the way of life. Uh, chapter one is basically this. The way of life is love God, love your neighbor. That's it. Chapter 2, these are the things you shouldn't do. Uh, and it gives a whole list of things like the Ten Commandments, but it's much more broad than the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't steal, don't practice magic arts, don't, you know, all these different things that you shouldn't do because that's not the way of life. The way of life is more peaceable, loving, kind, gentle. Um, and that's really um, what Chapter 3 is about is uh, chapter three is talking about these are the this is the way you should live your life, um, godly living. Uh, in in Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit. Uh, a person who is who is living his faith is peaceable, loving, and and the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. Um, but also in in Galatians, Paul talks about how to live your life. So. Paul, in Galatians 5, talks about another form of teaching, which is, you know, how you should live your life. Uh, the Didache, chapters uh, 2 and 3, are this is how you should live your life. Well, now we're in chapter 4. Now, chapter 4, we kind of move away a little bit from those types of teachings to how a Christian should be connected to other Christians. That's really what chapter 4 is all about, is how a Christian, a new Christian, needs to be grafted with other Christians. Uh, I love this image of the aspen tree in Colorado, because you have all these separate different aspen trees, but if you look underneath the surface, um, go back to this, go back to this, so you grow, you know, each tree has roots, uh, but if you go back to the surface, and, or go back underneath in an aspen field, uh, aspen trees are actually just one interconnected root system with, with trees that come up. Uh, and that's really what the Christian faith is. We're, we're, we're not in this alone. We are connected to other Christians. We're connected to God, and we're connected to other Christians. And when you are connected to the church, 
Um, and when I when I say church, I'm not talking necessarily the local congregation. I'm talking about connected to other Christians. Then um, that that helps you grow. Uh, and so you you cannot. It is very difficult. Although you could be, you could be in prison apart from any other Christian and live out your Christian faith as God directs you. But if you really want to grow in your Christian faith, uh, you it is imperative that you connect with other Christians because they will help you grow. Uh, in your faith. Uh, iron sharpens iron, but there's a bunch of other things. So, um, that basically is kind of the precursor to today. Now we're going to move into chapter 4. And the chapter 4 is basically talking about how a Christian should needs to be connected to other Christians. Alright? So, we're just going to start reading. Uh, this is Didache chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. My child, thou shalt remember day and night him who speaks the word of God to thee, and thou shalt honor him as the Lord. For where the Lord's nature is spoken of, there he is present. All right, so, so who's the he? Well, in our little um, image here, when you're sprouting, right, there's, there are other Christians that are coming along beside you, teaching you the Christian faith. Uh, in, in Ephesians 4.11, he's called the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So there are people that are called to be teachers of the Christian faith. Who are those teachers of the Christian faith? Actually, it's every single Christian at some level teaches the Christian faith. If you are a, a Christian and you've got kids, you're going to teach them the Christian faith. Um, if you've got grandkids, you're going to teach them the Christian faith. If you are in the workplace, uh, and you've got co-workers, and you live your life, and if someone asks you, hey, can you teach me about the Christian faith, you're going to teach the Christian faith. Your example, even if you don't say a word, you're teaching the Christian faith. Everybody that is a follower of Jesus Christ at some level is teaching the Christian faith. So this is really everybody, right? Um, but in this, in the, in the Didache, you are going to have this neophyte, which is somebody who's learning about the Christian faith, and then you have like a spiritual father or somebody that's teaching the Christian faith. So that's really what we're talking about here, um, is, is someone who teaches. And, and, I, and remember, it starts out, my child, uh, technon. This is, this is uh, John's language. If you go into John's epistles, he's always talking about my children, my little children, my technon. Um, I almost, when I read this in chapter 4, I hear John a little bit, the Apostle John, because um, I think that's, I think um, Adelphoi is, so if you have a fellow brother in the Christian faith, they're called Adelphoi. Um, it's like where we get the Philadelphia, Adelphoi, my brother, my sister. When I write a letter to other Christians, oftentimes I'll say my brothers and sisters in the faith, or my brothers and sisters, right? That's, that's indicating to them that we're not in a relationship to parent-child, but we're in brother and sister relationship. But if you write a letter to somebody and you say, my child, even if they are older than you, that means that they're a neophyte in the, in the, in the faith, and you have this parental-type relationship with them where you're really concentrating and trying to teach them about the Christian faith. So my child, thou shalt remember the day and night him who speaks the word of God to thee and thou shalt honor him 
So this person that we're talking about is the, the, the spiritual father or the spiritual mother in the faith. And what in chapter 4 we're talking about is remember those people that are teaching you the faith. Um, listen to them. They're more spiritually mature than you are. So they're trying to teach you things about the faith that may be totally different than the world around you. Because Jesus' words are radically different than the world around you. Jesus says, turn the other cheek, love your enemy, you know, pray for those who persecute you. All that stuff is radically different than what you may have heard before in your life. But listen to these words and speak uh, well of the person that's teaching. Honor the person that's teaching you these things as if he's the Lord. Because wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So this, this relationship of... Um, a spiritual father or spiritual director over somebody else uh, in this sprout phase, honor them, speak well of them, listen to them. They understand these things. All right, we'll go on. Verse 2. Um, and thou shalt daily seek daily the presence of the saints, and thou mayest find rest in their words, that thou may findest find rest. And thou shalt seek daily the presence of the saints, that thou mayest find rest in their words. So um, it's not just your spiritual brothers and sisters, but it's really the saints. Um, this is ecclesia. This is the, the people who are the called out ones. Uh, and really this in the dedicate saying, listen, you need to have, if you're learning this stuff, seek out a spiritual director to teach you these things, but also seek out a congregation of believers. Uh, a fellowship of believers, like a fellowship of the ring, right? From uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, seek out a fellowship of believers so that you can continue to grow in your faith. The Didache uh, is very clear that you should seek daily the presence of the saints. So uh, if you are a person that has uh, you know, children at home, you know, they are seeking out daily your wisdom as parents. Uh, if you're like my age, all the children are gone, I still should daily seek out other Christians. Now, that's pretty hard to do because, right, um, you have your work and you have, uh, you know, life to live. And yet, if you look at Acts 2, uh, 42 to 45, daily they came together uh, and learned the apostles' teaching and prayer and fellowship and pooling their resources to love the community and all that sort of They did these things daily. You do get the in indication clearly from the early church that they lived life together, that they daily lived life together, that it wasn't just me and my isolated life, but it was like a family that comes together. And we do get this on Sunday morning, right? We do get on Sunday morning coming together and it does feel like family. But, but the, if you look at the example of the early church, if you look at the example of a family, if you look at the example of a Didache, this isn't something that just happens once a, month, a, a week. It really is uh, the healthiest Christians are those who get together with other Christians and just live life with them. Um, so if you are isolated and single and alone or whatever, seek out other Christians and live life together. Uh, and it's kind of hard to do oftentimes because of the way that we live our life now in modern complex society but um, 
You know, I have a friend of mine who uh, calls his dad every day, right, on the way to work, calls his dad. And, um, you know, that's one way, just, you know, a 30-second phone call or a minute phone call. Hey, how you doing? How's life going? That sort of thing. That's kind of living life together, right? And if you live that type of life together with other people and you're not isolated and alone, um, that's just the healthiest way to live. Oh, my goodness. Seek out daily the presence of the saints that thou mayest find rest in their words. So, um, I think we're going to leave it there. I want to pick up, because we're going to go into a different section about living as the church, and we'll pick that up tomorrow. But it's so good to be back with you, and um, uh, let's, let's just close in prayer and have another announcement. All right, dear God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for this uh, teaching. Thank you for keeping us all safe over the last two weeks and bringing us back together. Um, until we get together again, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.